0: Let's pray. May I speak in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Please take your seats. I've got to admit, that is not my favorite parable of all time. I have lots of questions about those wise girls. They seem quite mean. There seems to be a lot in that story that doesn't quite fit in Jesus' world, that doesn't appear quite fair. But the main thing I want to ask today is why. There's a lot of why. But firstly, why did the bridegroom take so long to get to his own party? Let's not think about that too long. And linked to that, the story of the bridesmaids is likened to the kingdom of God. Jesus tells a lot of stories about the kingdom of God and the coming of the Son of Man. As we hear in Amos as well, that time the, the Day of the Lord is mentioned in Amos is actually the first time in Scripture that the day of the Lord is mentioned, and it doesn't seem like a safe thing. The Day of the Lord is a day when the purposes of the Lord will be fulfilled. God's people will be blessed and rewarded for living good lives. A place of peace and harmony where God the Great Shepherd would lead all his people to a safe place forever. No more fighting, no more pain, no more war, no more dying. People in the times of Jesus would have been well used to this concept of the day of the Lord. But my question today is still, why? Just like a toddler, I keep asking God, why? Why on earth have you taken so long to come back, Jesus? Why are we still waiting for this day of the Lord? Today, of course, is the day that the church, and more than the church throughout the world, sets aside to remember those who have died in armed conflict. We don't need to look hard to see that the world is still an imperfect place. Even though we set aside this time to remember, there are wars going on all through the world. In Kashmir, in Colombia, in South Sudan, in Syria, in Iran, and many other places. It is sometimes painful to remember how far from perfect our world is. But we do need to remember in order to hope and to pray that we won't make the same mistakes again. We need to remember. Margaret Atkinson has written many wonderful novels, but her novel, Behind the Scenes at the Museum, underlines the importance of remembering. The heroine, Ruby, knows that there is something not quite right in her family, not quite spoken. Only near the end of the novel, When Ruby is grown, does she discover something shocking? She had a twin sister, who died when she was very young. But this is far from the only shocking revelation that she learns. I won't spoil it for you, but it changes everything for Ruby and how she relates to her family in, in particular. Finally, she realizes why she never really felt loved. It was painful for Ruby to remember the truth, but it changed her and allowed her to move on. When her sister tries to encourage her to move on, she says, the past is what you leave behind in life, Ruby. Nonsense, Patricia, she retorts. The past's what you take with you. We always take our past with us. Our personal past, our past as a community, our past as a nation, And we, as Christians, are people who are commanded to remember. Jesus didn't give us many commands, but this was one. At the Last Supper, Jesus took bread and he broke it to represent the breaking of his body. And he took wine and he shared it to represent the spilling of his blood. And he said, do this every time you eat and drink and remember me. Now, remember is an interesting word. If we break it apart, it's remember, like putting all the bits of us back together. Opening our minds to the suppressed and forgotten memories of our past can help us become whole people, ready to move forward into the future. Obviously, this needs to be done with care and sometimes in the presence of a wise friend. And we can apply this to the church as well. To open our lives as a church to the suppressed, forgotten and denied members of our society is to anticipate heaven by the same process of remembering. We add to our number. So back to our question. Why are we still waiting for the day of the Lord? Why hasn't Jesus hurried up? Why are we still suffering? Why are we waiting, Lord? The answer to this is complex. And possibly twofold. The kingdom of God has already come. And the kingdom of God is not yet fully here. Jesus came and he changed something utterly and profoundly. In the world, the universe, the time-space continuum, all of that stuff. When before it was not possible to have a relationship with God, now it is for everybody. God's Holy Spirit is with us now so that we can know the presence of God with us all the time. All we have to do is ask. St. John reminds us in chapter 3, verse 17, the verse after the very famous one, that God sent Jesus into the world in order that the whole world might be saved through him. The whole world... Not just the good people, the whole world, not just the Christians who come to church on Sunday, the whole world, not just the people, the environment, everything around us. God loves everything he created, and he is sad when it is not perfect. But we're aware, aren't we, that things are not perfect, There is still a time to come. Jesus talked about it a lot. Um, The parable of the foolish and wise virgins, um, or bridesmaids, is in the middle of a long passage about the coming of the kingdom of heaven, which Jesus talked about a lot, or the day of the Lord. And Jesus did seem to be referring to himself when he talked about the kingdom of heaven. And he said things like, you don't know the day I'm coming back. Don't try and guess, just get ready and prepare. And actually, when we think about our Amos passage, do we really want the day of the Lord? That sounds awful, really bad. Um, But what can we do while we wait for this thing? We trust that God has something good planned for us. We live our lives in the state of knowing that the kingdom of God is here, but not yet fully here. We live our lives remembering those who have died in war, those we love and we have lost. We live our lives surrounded by those who are suffering. We're surrounded by so much suffering that sometimes the only thing we can do is bury our head in the sand and ignore it. We can only cope with so much. But we can't do that forever. Amos exhorts the people of Israel to live in the way that God loves. Let justice roll on like a river. Let righteousness roll like an ever-flowing stream. We do have a task. And that is to continue Jesus' mission on earth. What we sometimes see as Jesus' mission statement in, in, early on in, in the Gospel of Luke, Jesus says, The Spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me to preach good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners, recovery of sight to the blind, to release the oppressed, and proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. In the face of the reality of war and suffering that surrounds us, all we can do is get on board with what Jesus was doing in our own small way, in our own patch, with what the Holy Spirit is doing in the church now. When Jesus left his disciples after the resurrection, he left them with a mission. He said, Go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you until the end of the age. That mission is ongoing today in this imperfect world, with us imperfect people. This is the mission of all who profess faith in Christ, and it's a mission we need to crack on with together. We're all very different and we need each other. Maybe you think you're not very good at making disciples. You've never baptized somebody in your life. You've never taught anybody about God. Perhaps you find it difficult to to talk to people about what you believe. Well, you're not alone. I find it quite hard sometimes, and I get paid to look like a professional Christian. (laughs) Um, it's, It's an easy in, but I'll let you into a secret. Every time I have talked about my faith with somebody, they have listened and been interested. Nobody has turned me away. We are all searching for something. Will and I watched a program last night about a cult that started in California in the 80s. It's called Holy Hell. It's on Netflix. Um, There are some interesting moments. (laughs) Yeah. Um, We were struck, though, with how each of those people were searching for something real. And they ended up with something that turned out to be an abusive counterfeit. We know the God who made the universe. We know the God who loves us. But how to tell people about this without wearing a sandwich board, looking like an idiot, or becoming a televangelist? That might be the question. There are many answers to this question, of course, and I have one for you. Um, We're actually starting a course called Faith Pictures in a couple of weeks, which has been developed by the church army, who are great at this sort of thing. It's actually written specifically for people who usually hate going on this kind of course. It's based on a very simple storytelling method, and I'm really excited about what we might learn together as a church through this course. It starts on Wednesday, November the 22nd, and we're going to have four weekly sessions just in time for Christmas and Advent. We'll hear a bit more about it next week. So, we are a people who are commanded to remember. We remember today those who have fallen in conflict we remember those who have died who we have loved. We remember that Jesus has already ushered in God's kingdom. And finally, we remember the promise that one day, justice will roll like a river, righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. The day of the Lord will come, and it's going to be amazing. God, give us strength to continue your mission as we wait for that promised day. Amen.